I was shocked when I came uh, down from uh, the platform and at the close of the service, uh, just greeting people, have somebody shared that they had heard that Kobe Bryant had died. And the shock and the amazement just kind of sort of started there and didn't, I think the day just kind of got worse, didn't it? As we heard the more news of nine people, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, uh, took our breath away to think of the loss of life. Uh, to hear that his uh, daughter was with him was, uh, especially for me, heart, uh, heartbreaking. But the whole story was uh, so absorbing uh, and sort of just didn't stop, which is a little bit what grief is like, I think, for us. Uh, we kind of wish grief was a moment in time, or we wish that, you know, if there, we have a loss and maybe we have a, a service, that that's the end of the suffering or the pain or the loss, but that's not, that's not real. And I know that uh, the, the loss is, uh, is one that hit people pretty deeply. You have somebody who's so young in Kobe and so full of life and focus and uh, extraordinary giftedness, and then a 13-year-old daughter, then a couple of other 13-year-old daughters. And again, just every individual. Uh, I, I know that when we lose someone, they can be uh, in their 90s and it still matters. I remember doing a memorial service uh, and at a graveside for uh, a father who was uh, in his 80s and his son was in his late 50s and his son had passed away. And at the, graves, the graveside, the father stood and tried to get some words out, and all that he could get out was he was a good son. And I, I was at that time in my late 30s, early 40s, and I just thought, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the loss of a parent losing a child. In, in one sense, it, it makes sense for me of that verse that we all talk about, but sometimes don't think very much about, John 3:16, that God loved you and I so, so much that he gave his one and only son, that if any of us will put our trust in him and learn to rely on him for our lives, we don't have to experience death, but we can enjoy the undying life of God himself. But I thought today we would talk about grief a little bit in the context of growing. The, our theme verse has been Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew and he kept on growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people. And that we need to have a plan to grow. So we grew in wisdom, and we need to have a plan just real quickly to, to grow mentally is the first blank there, and emotionally and financially, all the ways we can grow. He grew in stature, so we want to grow in physical health this year. He grew in favor with God, so we have to plan to grow spiritually this year. Peter tells us to grow in God's grace Become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Doesn't know, it doesn't matter if you know him not at all or if you've known him for a long time. We can become better acquainted through our, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then to grow in favor with people. So what is my plan to grow relationally this year? So I want to talk just today because it, it has been sort of a, a national almost moment, international moment, moment in our community when someone that is uh, admired and Followed, you know, this is a young man. If you're a sports fan, and I'm a 
a rabid uh, a Lakers fan and a, a LA sports fan and all the different sports and things. But you know, we we met this kid when he was a, a high schooler and uh, a young man, and just kind of watching his his ups and his downs. Um, not a perfect man, which doesn't need to be said ever. We always kind of need to rush. Sometimes when uh, there's a death uh, to clarify everything that we're aware of that the person failed in, which, you know, I thank God I'm not much more of a public person than I am because uh, that would be a horrible uh, thing to go through in life, and it's a very ungracious thing to do at a time of a death. But just all the emotion. One of our teachers, who I won't embarrass by, by reading uh, the note, I was uh, given a copy of a note that one of our teachers got from one of our parents. And uh, thank God for West Covina Christian School, for uh, the kind of uh, teachers that we have and the kind of uh, place that we have here where kids can uh, come with what they're struggling. So, you know, uh, for kids to be kind of be forced to address death when they're young is, is difficult, it's painful. Uh, and uh, so uh, this teacher just created space for uh, one of their students uh, to uh, go through the uh, kind of process of questions and grieving, and teacher uh, prayed for them, and the mom was just writing to say thank you. Thank God for a school where uh, teachers can pray uh, without fear of uh, recrimination for students and uh, be there in their corner. But I know the grief Grief has been heavy. So, again, I'm a sports fan, so I was uh, wondering what was going to happen to that game on Tuesday, which they postponed, and then to watch uh, the very close friends of Kobe's and those who've done battle with him uh, struggle with their grief and their emotion, and then to watch the, the various games that took place. Uh, grief hurts. And so I'm going to do something I haven't done hardly ever. I'm going to... Uh, kind of repeat a passage I've preached on fairly recently from 2 Corinthians because it just comes to my awareness <clears throat> this week, but it's already been on my heart and my mind because of other things going on. You know about our kids coming back and uh, they're feeling a little, uh, a little healthier. I think we had two days of health in a row this past week, but when Stephen was in Okinawa, I sent him a text. Uh, he had been sick the entire second half and they're uh, getting ready to... Uh, head out from uh, Okinawa, being with Shelby and Luke and Ryan, everybody. And, and uh, he'd been sick that entire second week and was uh, sick on the way back or felt sick. And some people were literally sick on the way back. Well, I'll spare you the details of that. But uh, even, even this past week, uh, it seemed like uh, they'd be better and then another person would be sick. And then the next person the next day and sometimes two in one day. And I think we got to about Thursday. I think we had Friday and Saturday off. I'm not sure. Of, of, uh, of sickness, at some point it was almost like, it's like too much, you know, uh, uh, so frustrating to travel uh, for a certain intent to spend time and, you know, it's, it's kind of, I guess, cold comfort to say, well, at least you're all together as you're struggling and suffering and there is something about that, isn't it? There is something about not being alone in that process, but I texted him a verse that I usually share with people, often share with people, when I hear of a, of a loss in their life. Second um, Corinthians 1, 3 through 11, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I, I prayed specifically, I just wrote, I pray to the Father of compassion. The Father of compassion. What a, what a name for God. The Father of compassion. The, the source of compassion or mercy. 
And actually the word mercy is, is kind of in plural here. It's, it's mercies. Uh, Lamentations 3 tells us that the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassion, his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. God has, in a sense, more mercy than he knows what to do with. And it's available for us. And he is also the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. And uh, our community, our, our region, our, our state, our nation, our, our world in many ways is in need of comfort for these nine lives that matter to so many different families. And God, what does he do? He comforts us in all of our troubles. So I just texted that to Stephen and said, uh, I'm, I feel so bad that you've been so sick on your trip and now you're not even kind of quite <clears throat> gotten better to enjoy the end of the trip before you take the long trip home, which isn't the, the enjoyable part of the traveling. And he said that verse is very appropriate. <laughs> Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And I thought this is just so appropriate for kind of the moment. It's one of those weird moments. It's like when I was a young person just starting school, kindergarten, and hearing that our president had been shot, and watching that family. I'm a, I'm a little kid at that point, and I'm watching this little family, this little, little son of the president and his daughter and his wife grieving, and all of us go through these processes. Can we grow... Through grieving. Uh, Dallas Willard used to say that there are three things needed for us to grow. We call this the, the kind of the, he pictured a kind of a triangle, called it the golden triangle. Uh, when these three elements come together, we, we grow and God transforms us. Uh, one of them is to learning uh, the story of Jesus, learning to uh, think of life, look at life as Jesus did, learning who God really is, in other words, and what life is really about. Another one is to do that in community with other people because we don't grow alone. That's why B groups are so important uh, for us at Bethany and, and also to learn some spiritual habits that, that help the grace of God flow into our life. And the third thing that he said actually kind of bugged me and bothered me, kind of still does, because he said that the third element that needs to be there for us to grow is life, is, so, so to speak, circumstances. It's, in a sense, trouble, difficulty, pain, suffering. God can use that to bring about growth. God comforts us in all of our troubles, so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He goes on, verse 5, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces. There's something that comes through suffering and trouble, and that comfort, because it produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Then he goes into greater detail about the specific sufferings and troubles he's been through. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. 
But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. On God who raises the dead. And God has come through for us. It's important to, for us to ask for prayer. That's why we love to do this. I didn't get mine written in time, so I'll put it in uh, at the end of the service. But I love to, uh, to ask for prayer. I love to record answers to prayer and to praise God. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Because he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. We're covered past, present, and future, right? He has delivered us. Can I have an amen if anybody has been delivered by God in your past? And by faith, not by sight because we don't see this yet, we believe he will deliver us from the struggles that we're facing right now. Anybody facing struggles right now? And he will continue to deliver us. We face trouble in all kinds of different ways, don't we? Uh, Sharon and I have the good fortune by our tax-preparing people to be given the earliest date possible. You know, I've got to wait till the 31st of January to get all your information, your materials, start collecting that. So we were blessed to be given the date of February 3rd to prepare our taxes. Thank you, Lord. Uh, 11 tomorrow morning. Feel free to pray for us. We struggle in all kinds of ways. We have trouble on all kinds of levels, some are in a, a large way. And, and then sometimes we go through life and we, we grieve over people that we've actually never even met. But we grieve because there's deep pathos in the story because maybe the person was someone that we identified with. You know, when you, you follow your sports team, you follow them to the bitter end. You know, I, I've seen, I, I see some uh, Oakland Raider uh, shirts today. I, I told uh, the wearer, you know they're not playing. And, uh, you know, but, but, but you know, it, it, the, the, this family's grief is even worse because they aren't even the Oakland Raiders anymore, you know. Go Vegas. That just seems weird, you know. We have different kinds of trouble. And there's something beautiful about sport. I was talking to Dallas one time about about sports and just bringing it up, kind of probing, because he had been at USC since uh, the early 1960s, so I knew he knew uh, the various uh, famous athletes of, uh, of USC, and he said, oh, sports, Dallas, ever the philosopher, sports is very, very important to a culture, to a civilization. And I, I really wish we'd gone into more detail, and I don't know if he's written about this anywhere else in his writings, but there's something about sports that is, is very important. It gives us something kind of in common where sometimes we don't have very much in common, right? And so we pull for people. There, there are certain people, though, Then when they die, it affects us. Our, our president, when he died in 1963, November 22nd, he was so young, and the family was so young. Uh, Lady Diana, Princess Diana, uh, her death uh, impacted really the world. Uh, Kobe's death, and then compounded with his daughter's passing and compounded with other husbands, wives, fathers, daughters, sons, mothers, spouses, friends. It's devastating. He's, Paul says it, it was so bad, great pressure, beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. We felt we had received the sentence of death, but God is the one that we rely on, God who raises the dead. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And then verse 11, 
as you help us by your prayers. And then many will give thanks for our, on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I want to draw six principles and then a couple other principles uh, from this passage. Uh, you, you may not be here. You may have moved past this story. You don't move, I don't move past grief quickly. I don't think we're supposed to. I think grief takes time. I think grief comes in waves. I think grief hits you when you kind of least expect it. Number one, a couple principles to help us to grow through grieving. Number one, where does your focus typically go when you suffer? Because I know when, where mine goes. We have tax preparation tomorrow. My focus has been sermon prep and tax prep. It's a beautiful combination, let me tell you. Where does your focus go when you're in trouble? Mine goes on the trouble. This isn't hard, is it? It goes, it goes straight to the trouble. We got trouble. I'm tempted to say, start singing, trouble, 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 trouble right here in West Covina. You know, where does your focus go typically when you suffer? It goes to the struggle. It goes to the issue. It goes to the circumstance. It goes to the, the problem. It goes to the pain. It goes to what's causing you to suffer. Do you notice where Paul, who goes into quite de- a lot of detail about how much he's suffering and how he's suffering and why he's suffering and what it feels like and how he wonders if he's going to live through it. Where does Paul start? Where is his focus? Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he starts off with five names for God. He maybe thought because of what he had experienced, what he's going through, he needs a little, almost, pardon the language, overkill to enable him to understand the totality of who God is. He's our God. He's our Father, the one who, who brings us into existence. And he, he, he refers to uh, our Lord, our Master, the one who gives us direction in life. He, he says his name is Jesus. So we learned that in the, in, the, in the infancy narrative, the birth narrative of Jesus around Christmas. It means God is here to save. We sang the song just a moment ago, Lord, I need you. Anybody really, really sing that today? Like, oh, oh. The Lord is here to save. And then Christ, the one on whom God has poured out his spirit, the anointed king. And then in case our focus isn't there, he says, just let me, let me make it seven. He's not just the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the father of compassion. He's the God of all mercy. When you're in trouble, when I'm in trouble, one of the ways that we grow through grieving is that grieving, in, in one sense, offers us a, a choice. It sort of forces on us a choice. Are we going to look to God in our grief, or we're we just going to wallow and sit and focus just on that loss? I'm not saying grieving a loss isn't important. I'm not saying it doesn't take time. It does. Talk about that in just a moment. But Paul starts with adoration, with worship, with praise. So many times I come to church and, and uh, my emotions aren't just kind of flat. I have high highs and I have low lows. And often I come into worship and I, I've spent time in God's word and that helps me. But spending time with God's people in God's presence, it helps me. To think about today, 
God's amazing grace, to ask God to fall in a new and a fresh way on us. I needed that. To remember that God is a good, good father. That's who he is. And that I'm loved by him, me of all people. I needed that. And then, as I said, Lord, I need you. That's our focus. Number two, troubles are inevitable. Troubles are inevitable and suffering follows. Isn't that true? Troubles are inevitable. We can't get through it, can't get away from it. That word inevitable came to mind as I was thinking uh, recently about death. I'm an odd guy. I officiate many times and I attend many times services for people who are part of our church family or part of our community. And so uh, uh, a mentor from a, an earlier time, still alive, uh, even though he, when I heard of him and first uh, met him in Pasadena and then in Vancouver, uh, Anthony C. Thistleton was uh, probably the, the greatest uh, expert on hermeneutics, uh, interpreting scripture uh, in the evangelical world. And uh, he wrote a book on last things. He called it Life After Death. And then when he had written most of the book, he had to go back. Something happened, and he had to go back and, and start over almost. Um, what happened was he had a stroke, and he came close to dying. It was a severe stroke. affected him uh, deeply in a very, very profound way. And uh, he didn't know if he'd be able to continue. He had to kind of go back and rethink the significance of death and dying to what God offers to us of his life. He says there is a practical and ex- or existential element to the present book. The author is in his 70s, brought back to life after a near-fatal stroke. It remains a stunning source of perplexity, puzzle, and mystery why so many in their 70s, 80s, and beyond often seem less to contemplate the inevitability of death, which may come at any time, than many young people or previous generations. He cites another theologian, Jürgen Moltmann from Germany, who addresses this head on. He says, many, he urges, live life as if death did not exist. And he quotes, This does not help us to live life to the full at all, to push away every thought of death, to live as if we had an infinite amount of time ahead of us makes us superficial and indifferent. To live as if there were no death is to live an illusion. To be retrieved from serious illness, to have experienced near death, far from deflecting us from this life, can give our present life a new death. It is those who repress the thought of death, who turn life into an idol, who perhaps have also deeply repressed anxieties about death. Well, we all have anxieties about death, but death is a reality. Troubles are inevitable, and so is suffering. Death itself is inevitable. What do we do with that? Number three. We, re, we remind ourselves and we remind our, each other that God offers us comfort. And I'm grateful that God doesn't just, uh, you know, kind of grudgingly hand out comfort, comfort uh, uh, even though he doesn't really want to do that. Uh, I love the fact that 
God doesn't just give us comfort. Comfort is who God is. He is the God of all comfort. It's his identity. We say God is love. God is light. Now may the God of peace, we say. There's a God of joy. He's the God of comfort also. And he wants to comfort you. And he wants to comfort me. And again, we have small wounds from paper cuts to tax preparation to tax returns or payments to losses of our favorite sports team. And Pastor Brand, you're pulling for San Francisco. Is that right? Okay. All right. Okay, I, I did talk to people during the greeting, and uh, one family said, we don't really care about the game. We're looking forward to the seven-layer dip <laughs> and the commercials. So uh, there's a, there's a, everybody has a place at Super Bowl Sunday, right? God gives us comfort. What's that, halftime? That's right, that's right. Oh, halftime, J-Lo, okay. I've heard, I read the paper, I know. Shakira. Okay, anyway, sometimes, number four, sometimes our suffering seems worse than normal. And Paul goes through this list. It's like, he, he talked about suffering. We thought he'd kind of go on to something else, but he goes back. It's like, under great pressure, far beyond our ability to even endure, to the point that we despaired of life itself, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. And sometimes grief and suffering seems worse than normal. When the loss is someone who particularly uh, pain, uh, you know, the, the loss is particularly painful for us. And uh, again, I don't want to kind of create uh, uh, any sense as if the, uh, suffering isn't awful, that death isn't good, that it's not what God wants for us. He planted us in a garden and told us to avoid the stuff that leads to death and death and, and planted us around a tree called the tree of life. And that tree is going to be there in uh, our present and in our future. It's there in the book of Revelation as well, the tree of life. Death is an enemy, and yet sometimes our suffering seems worse than normal. And when it comes to the point of death, it feels, it feels like it's gonna overwhelm us. But number five, when troubles and suffering abounds, when it's like it just comes in one wave after another, I think so heartbreaking was to hear later that day that Gianna, or Gigi, his, his daughter, also died in that helicopter crash, and two other young girls, and the other people on that helicopter. Sometimes sufferings abound, but so does God's comfort. What we need to do when we grieve, and it's interesting that at some levels our culture, which is so unaware of reality and so unaware sometimes of God and of his life. And when something like this happens, it's amazing how many people who aren't necessarily known for being particularly religious or Christian, uh, how many people are aware of a center reality about life. At Bethany, we say Bethany exists to love because we believe it's essential. And we saw our culture living it out this week, didn't we? You got everybody and their brother saying, you know, the one thing we take away from this is that we need to love. You had Shaquille O'Neal saying, if, if I could have one more moment to say one more thing to my sister who passed away recently, or my father, Sarge, or, or to Kobe, if I just had the time, we need to tell the people 
that we care about, that we love them while we have time. And the suffering doesn't go away right away. And I love the reality that God understands this, that God suffers with it. The Lord, Psalms tells us, the Lord is close to the broken in heart. He is close to the broken in heart. When you're struggling and you feel like often, if you struggle with depression at all, you know this irony is that when you're in pain, you tend to push people away when you need people to enclose you and hold you close. But when we most think God is gone or absent or not present or not available or not listening or doesn't care, the Bible corrects our thinking and says the Lord is close to the broken in heart and he binds up every wound. It tells us of Jesus who when grief came into his life did what we're allowed to do too. Jesus all of you have, how many of you have a good memory? I'm going to disprove that. All of you do. Jesus, fill in the blank, wept, right? Shortest verse in the Bible, one of the most meaningful verses in the Bible. When faced with the, the death of his friend Lazarus, brother to his uh, two sisters, Mary and Martha, who came from, of course, Bethany. Bethany, Lord, may Bethany always be a place where we make you feel at home. Amen. And he saw the grief of his friends, these two sisters, and he felt the grief of the loss of his friend. He also felt grief, we know in the scriptures, uh, about the loss of his wonderful friend and partner in ministry and cousin, John the Baptizer, who was executed in a horrific way. And we read about kind of Jesus going into seclusion to deal with that pain Grief takes time. Grief takes time, but when troubles and suffering abound, so does God's comfort. But the final thing I want to say, and it's not quite the final thing you say. There's like six little points after that. That's true. But the sixth point is this. Would you write this down? That God, God is so God, and God is so great, and God is so powerful that God can even make our suffering redemptive. He can even make our suffering redemptive. Uh, it's been used by other people. I know it's been, this phrase has been used by Mother Teresa, but I think of it from uh, uh, the, the lips of uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That suffering can be redemptive suffering. In what way? Well, letter A, God can use it to bring comfort to others who are in pain. As we see in this uh, account that you know, you share in our sufferings, Paul writes, and that changes things. And when we suffer and God is gracious to us, we can reach out to others. I think one of the most powerful and beautiful things I've seen this week, and there's been quite a few, one is the urge from public celebrities left and right to say, tell people you love them. Let people know you care. Life is short. Life is precious. But the response of Kobe's wife, Vanessa, when she shared her anguish and her grief, I can't imagine uh, a young wife, a young husband, and a young daughter. I can't imagine the grief. And I was stunned to read the, the full statement 
and read her invitation to use uh, Kobe and her foundation to invite people to give money to be used for the other families. I was really, to be honest, just blown away because I thought she's got to still just be in shock, in disbelief, in just deep, deep grief, and she's inviting other people to help other people in pain. I've said sometimes when I go to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why did I have to struggle with depression in my life uh, so much, especially when I was younger and times of despair and even sometimes of of, uh, suicidal thoughts when I was uh, college age for some season of time, except I don't really need to ask him because somehow the comfort that I've gotten from God has enabled me to be a blessing to other people who have suffered with discouragement and despair and depression and even suicidal thoughts. I've had, I, I had uh, people that I know who have given me a note. Uh, somebody left a note on my desk one time, and I thought, that's a suicide note. And I went to talk to them, and they said, that's not a suicide note. We, we talked for about an hour, and after an hour, they said, oh, yeah, it was a suicide note. And they didn't take their life. Because God somehow, through me, because I was depressed and had gotten comfort from God, worked through that relationship to cause them to choose life. I remember coming into the office on a, a, a first thing in the week and Marion Snyder said, Pastor, you've got to listen to the answering machine. A message came in. I think it's a suicide call and it was someone who had been a part of our church family and it was just kind of unusual. It's just like, hey, Pastor Doug, just wanted to thank you for everything you've done, kind of say goodbye and <laughs> like, so, so I, I uh, called the sheriff and uh, asked them to accompany me to the house, and they went in. It's kind of a weird thing. They said, sir, stand back behind the cars, and they're there with guns drawn at the door. This was a military, a person with military involvement, had weapons and things, and same situation. No, no, I was just, you know, no, I wasn't, not suicidal. I wasn't thinking about suicide, and we just went out and grabbed a bite to eat, and about an hour Two, three, four hours later, yeah, it was a suicide call. God uses our struggles, our difficulties to help other people. And that becomes redemptive. He can use it to be a comfort to others in pain. Let her be, he can help it. He can use our trouble and struggles to help us grow in patient endurance. Verse six, that's what happens when we, when we suffer and God helps us and he comforts us and he pours his mercy over us. We, we grow stronger. That's how our muscles get stronger by exercise, by use, and that's how our heart muscle gets stronger to deal with greater endurance. When I was little, God helped me through some times of, of pain that were sometimes big and sometimes small. My grandpa died. Spiritual grandfather died. My dog died. I think I made it through the, the first two. I didn't make it through that, that third one, my dog. You know, something about a dog, and it's your dog when you're a little kid. And I could take you right now to the church in Salinas, down around the corner from my dad's office, down the hall to the Sunday school rooms, into the right men's bathroom on that little side. I could take you there 
where I just lost it and I just sobbed. My dog died. But those moments and God's people coming around you and God's comfort coming to you, they build up your endurance because life sometimes gets worse and sometimes your loss become larger. Let her see God can use suffering and pain to train us, Paul says, to rely on him and not on ourselves. I, I tend to kind of try to just gut it out when I'm going through a difficult time. Sometimes even push people away who want to help. Sometimes try to do it myself and not rely on God. God's the, God's the God who raises the dead, Paul says. And I'm the Doug who doesn't have that capacity. How about you? And yet I try to do it on my own. It's a training process that God can utilize. We can grow through griefing. Letter D, he, he'll use it to draw from us empathy. I, heart, I hope your heart has been moved. It's kind of an odd thing to be watching TV and then praying for celebrities. But I think I found myself doing this. Friends of, of Kobe and the family of all these individuals. And he draws from us empathy and he calls us to pray. Sometimes uh, this week, I, I've spent too much time reading newspaper articles or watching the television for details. And sometimes you have to turn that stuff off and just pray, right? Because your, your mind kind of gets preoccupied with thinking you're a part of TMZ. Actually, uh, I was told right over there that Kobe had died. I pulled out my phone right away. It was the first person, one of the first people who greeted me. And I pulled out my phone. I looked up. I just said Kobe. And it didn't say, you know, Google will say Kobe and then and it had all the normal things you'd see for Kobe. It didn't say Kobe dies or Kobe death or Kobe helicopter. And then I kept looking, kind of scrolling down, and I saw a website called TMZ. And I thought, I am not watching. I'm not looking to TMZ to tell me if this happened or not. I'm sorry. They're, they're very low on the totem pole of people who cover other people's suffering. They are a disgrace. So anyway, I didn't read there, but I found out from other, elsewhere what took place, and empathy, empathy. That's what makes us human. God calls us to pray, not to revel in the details of other people's grief and pain and loss. That's so much of what is a part of our media culture and late night comedians and God can use grief and suffering to draw from us empathy. When you've had a loss, it teaches you that you don't talk too much with someone who's going through a loss. Because words don't always help. Sometimes words make things worse. And then letter E, God will use suffering and trouble to transform our character and to give us hope. Right? He says it'll, it'll enable you to grow in patient endurance. But Paul in Romans 5, I won't read the whole passage. I encourage you to read this whole passage, Romans 5, 3 through 8, for yourselves later. We glory in our sufferings, Paul says, because suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. It changes us. Character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God and his love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And God demonstrates his love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And so the final thing I think we can say about grief and suffering, and it's kind of ironic or fitting that we share together the Lord's table to remember the Lord's death until he returns on this particular first Sunday of the month, as we always do the first Sunday of the month. But because of this message, the last thing I want to say about growing through grieving is this, is that God, letter F, God did it with Jesus, didn't he? God did it with Jesus. His suffering brings us love and life. God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We know that because God showed us his love by sending his son. And Jesus willingly sacrificed his life, died for us so that we could have life. This Sunday, have you welcomed God's love into your life? You are so loved by God that he sent his one and only son. You are so loved by Jesus that he went to the cross, endured the shame to bring you to life. You are so loved by God's Holy Spirit that it was by the blood of the eternal spirit that Jesus offered his life unblemished to God. Ask God today, this morning, right now, fill you with love, fill you with life of Jesus, fill you with peace. Take away the fear of death. He can do that right where you're seated. Ask God. And then after the service, share that with somebody around you.